Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for what you're doing today. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the Spirit of God. And I ask, Lord God, that you would touch everyone, everyone that's hearing. And I'm asking that you would encourage us with your word, with signs and wonders, strengthen the believers today with your word. And everyone said, amen. amen. Let me just say this. Um, by the way, I know that there's some, uh, if there are some babies crying, we do have a nursing mom's room. Not, not that, uh, that that's something that you need to do, but just so you know, in the back, we do have a nursing mom's room that you could take uh, your child if they need to be fed. Uh, before I give you the scripture, I just want to, part, part three or part two, really, of the, of the series on anchors. The first anchors, which is our core values of, our, of RCC, which we've never really talked about, it was inner healing. If you remember that, that was two weeks of inner healing. And, of course, last week we had a powerful uh, message from our women's director, Rosie. Come on, somebody. Yeah. It was awesome. It was awesome. I still remember that neck going like. That was a toothless lion. Come on. And I'm like, whoo. Powerful, powerful conference. Well, I am going to continue the, the series, but today I'm going to talk about the importance of biblical community. Now, I want you to hear and not tune me out because the lie of the enemy is that we don't need community, that we don't need each other. And, and I want to just break this down that, to encourage you because I want to tell you this. If the Bible says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish, if you were the enemy, what would you do? Or what would you seek to do if you knew that being planted is going to cause you to flourish? You are going to do everything in your power to bring isolation to that person so they could convince themselves that they're better off alone instead of with the body of Christ. And I want to tell you, and I'm going to go through a lot of things today, that the reason why people are disconnected and the, people, uh, the, reason why, and the benefits of being in fellowship and community with each other. Can I hear an Amen. So people everywhere, a little intro that, that I talked to uh, in the last several years, right, they're basically looking for two main things. Everybody say two. Now, there's a little bit more, obviously. You know, there's food, obviously, and clothing. But the, the, the main things emotionally and spiritually that people are looking for is one of two things. Number one, they're looking for a deep connectivity with the person of Jesus. Whether they know it or not, whether they know it or not, they are, there's people that ha, there are looking for a deep, purposeful connectivity with the Lord. Why? Because we are incomplete without a relationship with Jesus. No matter how gifted we are, our giftings will take us far. But we have a God-built hole, listen to me, in our soul that can only be filled by Jesus Christ. That, and it's done on purpose by the Lord so that nothing in this world could satisfy you or give you joy. You will be increasingly frustrated to try to fill that hole or that void with money, with sex, with drugs, with even a... a, a, a a good job. None of that will fill you. Listen, a lot of you, you have great relationships with people, but that is not going to fill you to, in its completeness. The great thing about the Lord is that he has purposely put, watch this, in a sense, a void in every soul that could only be satisfied and only be filled by Jesus. Now, now that's why, if you think about it, people turn into addictions because they're trying to fill something with something else that was never meant to, to fulfill them. 
So the greatest need right now in people's lives is, whether they know it or not, a deep, and I said a deep communion with the person of Jesus. You will be cranky. You will be frustrated if you don't do that. The second thing that I notice that in talking to people that they need is there is a deep longing in people, whether they say it or not, for deep connectivity, fellowship, and community with other people, particularly other people believers in Christ. There's a deep longing to uh, not just have best friends. That's not what I'm talking about. There's a deep longing for deep biblical community. And when I first started the church, many of you know this story, but there's a lot of people in this room that don't know my, our story. We've only a, a church for four years and two, about two months. And when I first started the church, uh, when God really gave me all these confirmations, I went to so many people, and my wife said, babe, you're exhausted. Why don't you just record yourself and give a CD to all these people, right? Because I would go every single week, hey, can I meet with you? Can I meet with you? And I wanted to actually know their heart. I said, I said this, guys, listen to this. I go, what do you think is missing from the local church? Now, when I say local church, this is the, the local body, the local church all around the world, okay? And uh, again, uh, some, some say the power of God, which I believe the power of God is missing in the local church. Praise God, not here. I believe we, we contend for the power of God here, right? Or the gifts of the Spirit, right, in the local church. That's really an important thing. But, and I was ex actually expecting those things when I talked to them. So when I said, what do you think is missing from your local church and, and your experience, right? And I heard them, and guys, almost 90% of the people that I spoke to said something like this. I love the Lord with all my heart, or I love the children's ministry in our church, but I feel disconnected. Come on, somebody. I, or I love the word in my church, and I feel disconnected. I love the worship in my church. I love the youth program in the church, but I feel disconnected. I feel disconnected. I feel di this was a common thread, and I realized, wait a minute. You could actually sit in a powerful ministry getting filet mignon and still feel disconnected. Come on, somebody. You, you could actually get the reign of the glory of God and the presence of God. We got one of the wor best worships in town. But if there is no real connection in your giftings and in your personhood with other people, you will feel disconnected even from that reality. So I started thinking, okay, I've got to do something when it comes to starting our church. We've got to be different. We've got to be intentional in creating community. Not just hearing a sermon and then leaving back to your house without ever talking to anybody on your way out. Right? Building organic biblical relationships that will help you in times of trouble. And here's what the Lord showed me. That, the, that Jesus' greatest commandments also happen to be humanity's greatest needs. Come on, somebody, say amen. Think about this. Think about the, the, the geniusness or the wisdom of God that, the, that the, Jesus' two top commandments in the New Testament happens to be the greatest, one of the greatest needs of humanity. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's one of the greatest needs. That's his commandment, right? And you shall love others as yourself. Watch this. So his two top commandments is a secret stealth of something that we really need. His, his commandments are not burdensome. So when he says these are the two greatest commandments, he's saying, trust me, you need them as well. Watch this. You need, the, every Christian here needs to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And you need other people. I'm going to bust your bubble. I'm going to bust your bubble. You cannot live this Christian life 
apart from brothers and sisters in the Lord. Oh, because see, you got to pop that pride. Many people are like, well, I don't need anybody. I just need the Lord. Then let's throw half of the Bible out then. Because the Bible in James says, confess your faults one to another. Well, all I need is Jesus. Well, then what's that scripture about? Confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. Jesus could have said, hey, you don't need anybody. All you need is me. Isn't that a spiritual answer, Pastor John? Well, I've seen, well, I don't need anybody. Bless God, I just need Jesus. Because hidden underneath that statement is some sort of offense or some sort of, of hurt that you don't want to admit that you don't want to be around people because people get on your nerves. And so you put the blanket of it's all, all I need is Jesus. And I'm here to bust your bubble today that, yes, you need Jesus, but you need brothers and sisters in your life. You cannot live and convince yourself that you don't need anybody because if that's the case, you need to repent of pride and arrogance. We have to realize that, so watch this, the, the, the definition of community, before I even get to the biblical definition, I want you to, I want you to see this. It's, it's, quote, the condition of, listen, this is Webster's Dictionary of Community. All right? Are you ready? Are you ready? The kingdom, sorry, the condition of sharing or having certain attitudes and interests in common. This is the, the definition, the Webster's Dictionary definition of community. It's condition of sharing, having um, certain attitudes and interests in common. Now look at this, the first slide. In Acts chapter 2, and some of this is going to be reviewed because these are our core values, but I have to say it. In Acts chapter 2, we see some powerful scriptural examples, watch this, of how fellowship, everybody say fellowship, and the need to be connected with people, are, are you ready for this, are necessary for growth both in our lives and in the local church. I'm going to give you biblical examples that it's, just, it's not just a cool thing to have community and just to be in biblical community. No, it's actually needed for growth. Can I just say this? Some of us that have stopped growing in the things of God is because we've become so used to isolating ourselves. I'm going to give you all these scriptures so you know that it's not just about you. You have to get to the place where, I can hear this now in my spirit. Well, I'm not a people person. He doesn't understand that. You may not be a people person, but you need people around you. And you need community around you. Now, now watch this. Watch this. Look at Acts chapter 2. Oh, this is so powerful. We're talking about community today, and then we're going to practice it. We're not just going to preach. We're going to practice it. We're going to stay and have food, and I'm going to share with you. Now, listen to me. I'm going to show you four things. Now, some of you heard me say this before, but this is so powerful. Say four things. Four main things that the early church did on a regular basis to cause not just a little growth, supernatural growth in the church and in their lives. And can I be honest with you? Two of them are non-spiritual in context, even though they're spiritual because they're in the Bible. But in the way that we view spirituality, how do we view spirituality? Come on, before you even go to the scripture, here's how we view spirituality. Oh God, I thank you. Yeah, of course prayer is spiritual, right? Reading the word is spiritual, right? But do you ever know that part of being spiritual is also eating together? Do you know that eating, I, I, I was looking at this the other day, uh, that, that food is the, one of the only instruments that unites different cultures into one setting? 
I've seen Jews and Muslims sit at the same table over good food. I have, I have seen different cultures set aside the difference when they're eating together. Do you know another one was fellowship? Look at this. Look at Acts chapter 2. Look at how the church grew. I love that this is in the Bible. Because we're so like, oh, how, the way that we have churches, and just pray and fire and glory and all that good stuff. But how about all the community that is all throughout the Bible that we are missing? You want to look like the early church? Every time that someone says, we don't look like the early church, I feel like saying, which part of the early church are you talking about? Because there's the power side of the early church, and that's what everybody talks about when they always try to compare us to the early church. Well, we don't walk in power. Yes, we don't, we don't walk in that power yet. We should. We don't raise the dead as we should. We don't see the miracles. We don't see the shadows healing people. That's mostly what people talk about when they say we don't look like the early church. But the early church had an understanding what biblical community looked like. Look at Acts chapter 2. Then those who gladly receive his word, this is verse 41, were baptized. Watch this. And that day, everybody say that day. 3,000. Everybody say 3,000. Souls were added to them. Now watch. How did they keep these souls? How did they grow with these souls coming? What did they have in practice? Here's the key. Verse 42. And they continue steadfastly in four things. The apostles' doctrine. Fellowship. Breaking of bread, that's eating. And in prayers, two out of those four are real spiritual ones. The doctrine of teaching and prayers, that is a no-brainer. We need to sit under the word. We need sound doctrine. And we need a prayer life. But guess what? We also need fellowship and eating. As a community, a biblical community, listen, listen, to grow with the Lord and with each other. Listen. And they continued steadfastly in the doctrine, that's teaching, in fellowship, say fellowship. In the breaking of bread, say breaking of bread. Some people say that's communion, but uh, that, it could be communion. It could be communion, but I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to keep reading. I'm going to show you that it's not only communion. Watch. And in prayers. Look at verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Verse 44. Now all who believed were together and had, oh, listen, 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 all things in common. Look at verse 45. They sold their possessions and their goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. That is true community. When someone is hurting in the community, they say, you know, I got a little extra this week. I'm going to give that to you instead of holding it all about themselves. That is what true biblical community is. Now watch this. Look at verse 40. This, I'm going to prove to you that, it, that breaking of bread is not only communion. It is communion. It can be communion, but it's not only communion. Right, watch this. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread, watch this, from house to house they ate their food. It's food. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Watch what happens right after this reality is going on every day. They broke bread and they ate food and they prayed and they went house to house with simplicity and gladness. They were going from house to house eating food, worshiping the Lord together. Now look at the next verse. And the Lord added to the church daily, daily, daily those who were being saved. They had a four-step in a sense, process in the early church. They had other things, but these four main pillars caused the church to grow. Watch this. Not only the church to grow supernaturally, the Lord to trust them to send more people. 
the, it says the Lord added every day. Why? Because you have prayer going on. Oh, come on. You got doctrine going on. You got eating together, that which, which creates unity. And, and listen, you have fellowship. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down because some of you, if I, I'm getting ahead of myself, you've been too hurt by people and you've lost the blessing of fellowship. You've lost the blessing of what the pure intention of fellowship is. Please do not use your personality to negate this reality and need in your life. I don't care if you're an introvert and I'm an extrovert. And you say, well, it's easy for you, Pastor George, because you're an extrovert. You love everybody. And I just don't like people. Well, first of all, <laughs> that's an issue that you need to have with the Lord. If the Lord is in you, you need to love people. And you need to be okay to be around people. Okay, and so, so watch this. Two out of those three, uh, four pillars were seemingly non-spiritual, uh, but they were. Now, look at the Greek word for fellowship and community. Many of you know this. What is it? Come on, shout it out to me. Koinonia, right? So koinonia, now I'm going to break the, the word koinonia in Greek to four English phrases because the Greek language is very uh, deep, right? Much more deeper than the English language. So when you, when you see the word koinonia in the Greek, which is translated for fellowship, all right, or community in the, in the biblical times, I'm going to share with you four phrases in the English language that all have to do with the Greek definition of koinonia. And I want you to see deeper today what koinonia really means in the Western church, in the biblical church. Right, in the day today, right? Koinonia means this, and I'm, it's going to be four phrases. I'm going to break this down. Number one, uh, close communion is up there. Close communion and fellowship with each other. That, this is an actual definition of koinonia. Now, there's, um, there's four, there's a lot of words of koinonia, so I'm going to break these words in Greek uh, into four English phrases. So the first one is close communion and fellowship uh, with others. This is a definition. Now listen, when the Bible says let the, let the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, that deep fellowship of the Holy Spirit is also koinonia. That means a deep closeness with the Holy Spirit. But koinonia, <laughs> some of you are not liking me already, I can tell, is actually calling forth for a deep closeness with other people. That's what, I'm only giving you the definition of koinonia, all right? It is, a, in the Greek, a close communion and fellowship with people. In just a moment, I'm going to test uh, Chris and Enrique and those who were with me in the youth, because I used to have a favorite, a favorite scripture, right? And, and, and they were like, oh, this is, this is Pastor George's favorite scripture, because I would drill my leaders when they were young people uh, on the dangers of being by themselves, Right? And, and I'm going to show you. Now, now look at that's number one. Look at number two. The second English phrase, the second English phrase that is derived from the definition of koinonia in the Greek. Now watch this. Put that up there. Put that up there. Unselfish culture of sharing with each other. Come on, help me preach, Holy Ghost. Unselfish culture. <laughs> no one said amen to that. Because we live in a selfish culture. Guys, we in America are one of the most selfish people in the world. We want our stuff and nobody sits next to us. God forbid someone next, sits next to us in the movie theater. We don't want that. We want the, what the, we want the, the, the special chair to be open. We don't want anybody to, to, do, to tell us what to do. Listen, to, we, we are so selfish as a nation. But the Greek word for koinonia is the exact opposite of our culture. Do you know that sometimes we've got to unlearn something in order to learn it? 
The Bible says, put that second key up there, the second thing up there. The second phrase is, watch this, unselfish culture of sharing. Everybody say sharing. Sharing means everything that you have that's a benefit for other people. It could be sharing income. It could be sharing your time. It could be sharing some skill set that you have with the local church or with somebody, with an organization. It could be sharing uh, your wisdom with someone. It could be sharing your, your food. Sharing your resources. Watch this. Watch this. Look at in the and, and before we go to the next the, the next definition of Cornelia, look at Acts chapter four. I'm gonna read it in two versions, okay? The NLT and the and the Passion Translation. I want you to see this and let it smack you by faith in the head, amen. Right? In, in Jesus' name. Look at Acts chapter four. Just two more, just two chapters after Acts chapter two, right? They were growing, right, in community. Just two chapters later, in the NLT, look what it says. All believers were united in heart and mind. Whoa. All belie- are, we, are we in this room united, all of us, in heart and mind? We have so many. That doesn't mean we can't disagree. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is they had all one common goal. It wasn't about, oh, well, I don't like that song. And I don't like this. And why is she doing this? And why he's doing that? Well, I didn't vote for that person. I didn't do this. It, they had all things in common. Now look at this. Look at this. And they felt, oh, I love this, I love this. They felt, and in other words, they perceived that what they owned was not their own. Wait, wait. They felt that what they actually owned, I actually own this, is not even my own. Listen, listen. So they shared everything they had. Wait, 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 wait. They were so convinced about this lifestyle that even though they owned houses, even though they owned uh, uh, animals, that they felt that it was so needed of what the Lord did in their lives after the crucifixion. They had so much love overflowing in their heart because of what the Lord did. They actually felt that even though they owned it, that none of them was there. Here's a secret to sharing and to be kind and to be generous. Convince yourself that it's it's not yours. That even though it is yours, you have no problem giving it away. Listen, that's a problem with people that don't give because they feel that the money is only theirs. But when we realize that God is the owner, then you'll realize it'll be easy to give it away because it was never yours to begin with. Right? So, so look at that same scripture in the Passion Translation. Oh, this, is, this to me got me. The, that same scripture in the, pa- in the Passion Translation Watch what it says. All the believers were in one mind and heart. Look at this. Look at this. I'm going to shout. Selfishness was not part of their community. Whoa. Wait, wait, wait. Selfishness, this is actually scripture, right, in the Passion Translation, was not part of their community. It was forbidden to be a biblical community if you had selfishness in that community. Got quiet in this Presbyterian church in here. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Look, look, look at this. Selfishness were not, now watch what it said. For they shared everything they had with, with one another. And so this is the unselfish culture of community. Say community. The third definition of koinonia is participation. Look at this, look at this word. Everybody say participation. This is what I'm going to challenge you in. Community looks like participation, not spectating. Hello. The opposite of participation 
is spectating. When you go to a football game or a sports event, are you participating or are you spectating? You're spectating. You're in the stands and you're rooting for the team. In order for you to participate, you have to put on the team jersey and go on the field and get out of the stands and get in the game. Get in the game. Turn to someone and say, it's time to get in the game. It's time to get off the stands and get in the game. You know what true biblical unity, sorry, you know what true biblical community looks like? Can I be honest with you? True biblical community does not look like a bunch of people coming and hearing a pastor preach on Sunday. And I'm doing that to my own detriment because I'm preaching to you. Community is not only this moment. This moment is not community. This moment is you are involved in receiving and hearing instructions. You're, you're, you're getting the doctrine part, the teaching part. But what happens before and afterwards is where community starts and begins what happens after and what happens before. Now, now, now watch this. This is real important because when you get out of the stands and into the field, that's when the, the organization, the community will grow. Why? Because you're adding your resources to the community. The problem with the church all over the world is that 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. How about if everyone got out of the stands? Come on. How about if everyone got out of the stands and stopped uh, waving their pom-poms or the spiritual pom-poms and say, that was good, that was good, and actually dive in and say, I'm going to put on the team jersey because this is my community and this is my church and this is my organization and we're going to make this work together. Participation. Watch the last word, English word for the Greek definition for koinonia. Put it up there. Is similar than participation is contribution. That's the, that's so all these words I got it straight from the definition of koinonia in the Greek. All right, the fourth one is contribution. Now I want you to I'm I'm, I'm just going to read what Webster Dictionary. <laughs> some of you are going to shout. Some of you are going to be like, Rrr. what Webster Dictionary reads what contribution means. Now remember what the reason I'm I'm breaking this this down is because we. When I say community, that's so general. I have to break down each word so you know what community really is. All right? It's participation. Right? Uh, quick review. It's close communion, fellowship. Right? It's unselfish culture of sharing. It's participation and contribution. Say contribution. Webster's Dictionary says this, and I quote, The giving or supplying of something such as money or time. As part of a share. Now watch this. This is word for word here. The giving or supplying of something that plays a significant part in making something happen. Let me read that again. This is contribution. Say contribution. Giving or supplying of something that plays a significant part in making something happen. I'm going to bust your bubble. Do you know that I am incomplete without you? Listen. When it comes to the work of the Lord, I cannot do it by myself. There needs to be the contribution of the saints together. 
how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the oil that drips down from the, from the beard of Aaron all the way down. There's almost garments. Oil is symbolic of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the, the pillars of what I call pillars of connectivity, I just said two of them. It's the, the Lord, right, and people. But you know what? Here's, watch this. I'm going to give you two more. The third pillar of, of feeling connected. Now, I want, you, I want you to hear this because some of you have been in this boat before or are currently on this boat. The third kind of pillar of our need for connectivity or how we identify with uh, wanting to be connected is through a particular culture or message of an organization. In other words, what brings people to feel connected to an organization or to a local church? It's not just the love of God, and it's not just loving people, but sometimes you need to be connected with the message and the culture of that thing. That's how you feel connected. There's a sense of connectivity when you can, when you could say yes and are in agreement with the culture or the message or the vision of that particular organization. It keeps you saying, I want to be a part of this, right? And then the fourth pillar of connectivity is this, is, and I'm going to share this with you in a couple of weeks, is you feel more planted and more connected in any place, not just in the local church, when you are using what you feel is your God-given gifts. Do you know the statistics are out there that people leave churches not because uh, uh, they're offended, although people do leave churches because they're offended. Some people leave churches because they feel that they are not connected through their purpose or their gift. That's why one of our visions is to try to help see what your giftings are so we could see how you can bring it to the table to, to benefit the body of Christ and the work of the Lord. But if, if there's people that are not being connected in their giftings, they're like lions inside of a cage. They, they're getting fed, but they feel like they're dying inside. You all have a purpose that needs to come alive. Now, it looks much different than everybody else. Some people's purposes are behind the scenes and will never be behind a pulpit. It will never be behind a stage. Some people are, you, the God has called you to make millions of dollars to fund the kingdom of God. That's right, I said that. I said that, right? Some people, God has burdened to make millions of dollars so that they could fund the kingdom and end time work of the Lord. And the Lord sees that as faithful. But where we get wrong is when we compare our purpose with the other person's purpose. And then we're like, well, uh, the marketplace person then feels that they're out of place because they're not, oh, they're not uh, uh, praying 10 hours a day or they're not behind a pulpit. And then the person that's behind a pulpit feels like they're missing out on the marketplace because they're not out there. We all have to give what God has given us. Here's the key. Don't keep it for yourself anymore. Now watch. This is where I'm going to get a little deep here. What then, if, if all this is the good things about connectivity and fellowship. What does a feeling of disconnection bring? Now, he hear this, hear this, because I'm going to give you about four or five things of what of someone that feels disconnected, what you guys are feeling. And I'm going to give you language for it. Now, I'm probably not going to hit all of them, but I'm probably going to hit the main ones of what you feel. Has anybody in this place, just by the raising of your hands, right, has ever felt disconnected in your life? All right. All right. Now put your hands down. Now, now, be honest with me. You're not going to hurt my feelings, okay? Has anyone ever been in your life, I mean, since you got saved, ever felt disconnected from the church, okay? Local church, all right? Now, there's a reason for that. 
and the, also there's feelings behind that disconnect. Now, I want you to see, please hear me for the next 15 minutes because what I'm about to share hopefully is going to bring healing to you so that you and I would say it's not okay to remain disconnected. I'm going to say that one more time. It's not okay for you and I to remain disconnected. I don't care what that pastor did or what that church did or what that brother did or what that leader did. I don't care what they did. It's still not okay for you to be disconnected. Amen. Come on, come on. All right. What does disconnection bring? First one, not in any order. Look at the, look at the screen. A sense of apathy. When you feel disconnected with the local church, or you feel disconnected with a particular organization, or you feel disconnected with a certain relationship, apathy will start to set in in that person that feels disconnected. Hear me what I'm saying. What is apathy? Apathy is a lack of interest or a lack of concern, a lack of action. When people start going through the motions, that means you have to check your disconnect gauge. Are you connected? Do you feel connected? Is there that fellowship? Is there that connectivity that you are missing in some sort of way, even if it's in your marriage? Some people, they have such disconnect in their marriage, and you know what starts happening in their marriage? They start being, have apathy in their marriage. There's no longer a pursuit anymore. There's no longer date nights anymore. There's no longer opening the door. There's no longer saying, you're beautiful. You're handsome. It's like, give me the remote. <laughs> get out of the way. Go get me something to eat. That's apathy. And that's, watch this, that's just the branch. The root to apathy is disconnect. Do you, want, do you know if you, if you see like, well, I just don't want to do anything in the local church. I don't want to do anything at RCC. It's because somewhere, somewhere in your life you feel disconnected or, here's another sermon, you just don't believe in yourself. You don't believe what the Lord has put inside of you. You don't believe you're worthy to, to be a part of a community. Or, or I get this one a lot, um, your personality doesn't fit, your culture doesn't fit. Just look around you. There's black, white, Spanish here. Come on, Holy Ghost. There's, there's, this is the kingdom of God right here. All races under one banner, Jesus Christ. But if you only come at it with, well, that's not my culture because, you know, we, we put sazon in our food and you put, and we put adobo in our food. And we, it doesn't matter what culture you are. It's the culture of the kingdom that matters. So, so there's a sense of apathy. Say apathy. Now I'm going to help you. If you feel disconnected. And if you feel one of these things that I'm going to share with you, maybe today is time to get healed from that. So are you feeling a sense of apathy? Don't raise your hand. Uh, apathy when it comes towards, now I'm going to go from here and I'm going to target it to you, real time. Do you sense, don't raise your hand, do you sense a, a sense of apathy concerning your local church? Is there a sit down mentality, receive only mentality? Now, a lot of those things could be addressed by other things, and some people are afraid. I've talked to people, and it don't matter how much you could tell them to their blue in their face, they're just afraid to, to be involved. They're afraid. Okay, so that's a whole other subject, okay? Now, the second feeling that comes, or reality that comes when we're disconnect, when we feel disconnected, are you ready? Look at the screen. It's a sense of unhealthy independence. Pastor, ooh, I'm going to preach on this right now. Unhealthy Everybody say unhealthy independence. 
See, say it one more time. Say unhealthy independence. You want someone to go really unhealthily in their independence, start, seeing, start watching them how they're connecting. And if they're not connecting for a lot of time with friends, family, spiritual brothers, there will be a sense of, watch this, unhealthy independence. What is unhealthy independence? Meaning that you are convinced that it's healthy. Because independence is healthy in and of itself. Independence is healthy, but not when it's rooted through a feeling of being disconnected. Hear me what I'm saying. Because independence is good. We all need a sense of independence. But if independence is rooted in bitterness, if independence is rooted in your hurt, if independence is rooted in you feeling constantly neglected and not being a part of something, then that is an area where you and I will begin to drift into an unhealthy independence where you don't want anybody. Do you know why? Because in your mind, it's easier because you don't have to deal with the drama. I just deal with myself, and I'm drama by myself. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need drama from other people. I, I got my own drama. But some people have been wounded so much that they develop an unhealthy independence that, watch this, and that unhealthy independence has shaped the way you live and has shaped the way you deal with people. So that's why you can never have this long-lasting engagement with people because you always have this uh, hand of protection from you so that you won't get hurt. So it's a, it's a distance relationship that you do on purpose, all right? And so I remember years ago uh, uh, when I was uh, in another church, uh, remember, sometimes you know that we can be really spiritual to get our own excuse of why we're not doing something biblical. Hello, hello? Let me say something real powerful. You could, be, you could be spiritual or you could be biblical. And spiritual is not always biblical. Hello? Hello? You could be spiritual or you could be biblical. And spiritual is not always biblical. And sometimes spiritual in your mind thinks it's biblical because it's spiritual. Here's a spiritual phrase that is not biblical. Ready? Is, is this. I remember years ago I was talking to someone and they were an intercessor. Okay, that, so they were intercessor, and I see, and I noticed that they had not gone to church in about six months. And so this was in another church, and I remember reaching out to them. And I said, "Hey, so and so, I haven't seen you in about four or six months. I, um, are you okay? Is everything wrong?" Now, I, I, I preface that by saying I discerned that this person was offended, and they were using a spiritual cover-up to not be biblical. And so I, they said, "Yes, uh, the reason why." True story. The reason why you haven't seen me is because the Lord called me to be isolated away from everyone and pray by myself for the last six months. So look how spiritual that is, though. That, that sounds so spiritual. You're like, oh, really? Wow, man. God really called you? Man, you're a deep person. Man, look at you. Six months praying all the time. So I... Because I knew the word, I said, and because I discerned that she wasn't coming because of offense, I said, hey, do you believe in the whole word, the whole word of God? I said that. They said, yes. I go, so do you believe in, in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25? Yeah. Do you know what that says? Well, no, not right now. I said, okay. So look, look, look. Hebrews 10, 25. This is what I quoted to her. 
Right? In the NLT, look at this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 in the NLT. This is what I quoted to this lady over 15 years ago. Look at this. Put it up there. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 in the NLT. Let us not think, watch this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. You know, as some people do. <laughs> but encourage one another. I love when the, when, the, when the word actually talks to them, right? Like you just admitted that you're by yourself. It's like don't neglect like some people do. But encourage one another, especially now in the days that we of his return. Look at this. Look at this. In the days of his return. Why, why, why is this important? Because when you, when you feel disconnected, you will have an unhealthy uh, independence about your life. And this person later admitted to me that they were offended and they were hurt and they had to repent because they were using the spiritual answer of their praying by themselves for six months as an excuse to not be around people. Now, now I want to say this. You know, we have a lot of trends right now that says, well, you don't need to meet in the church. Listen to you don't need to meet in church, but it doesn't exclude meeting in the church either. It says meeting together. That means in a home, in a coffee shop, right, at work, or God forbid, in a church building. It says don't, don't neglect the meeting together. Right? Don't neglect it as a custom of some. The enemy will always tell you that it's okay to stop meeting with the, the body of Christ. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going forward because this is, this is powerful. The next, how many are getting something this, this morning? The next reality of feeling disconnected. Are you ready? It's going to get even more powerful as we go. All right? The next reality of feeling disconnected. How many have felt disconnected before? I'm going to name some of the things that you're feeling. Look at the next one. It's a lack of accountability to your actions. Make no mistake about it. When you are disconnected, you cancel accountability that's needed for your own life. And accountability is so good because it safeguards you from you. <laughs> I mean... Accountability is so needed because even the prophet Jeremiah said, you can't trust you. You can't. It's true. Jeremiah said, hey, listen, I have a prophetic word for you. And that, and that, imagine the prophet saying, RCC. And you're like, oh, the prophet is here. Prophet Jeremiah is here. I have a word for you. Oh, God, 2021 is going to be awesome. 2021, year of my breakthrough. Prophet Jeremiah goes and he says, Curse is the man who makes his, his flesh his strength. Now look at what Jeremiah says in, in, in chapter 17. He said this. He prophesied this. He said, he said, the heart is deceitful above all things. Look at this. And desperately wicked, who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his way, according to the fruit of his doing. You know what accountability does? It helps you from you. Accountability keeps you accountable to your actions from other loving people that love you. Because if you only trust yourself, you're only going to hear yourself. Come on, somebody. If you only trust yourself, you're only going to lead yourself. But if you trust the Lord and you allow other people, watch this, to see your blind spots. 
When you allow other people to see your blind spots and you invite them in your life, what's going to happen is this. Listen to me. You and I will start growing exponentially. But there's some of you, and I can sense this in my spirit, you don't want anybody around you because you actually don't want them to see those things. It's convenient, come on somebody, it's convenient for you to stay by yourself because no one will be able to keep you accountable for why you're not going to church, why you're not reading your Bible. A true brother, and a, you better thank God for that, friend. You better thank God for that, brother. You need to say, hey, 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 I haven't seen you in three weeks. Well, should I text them? They're going to be offended at me. No, go ahead and text them anyways. Hey, brother, I haven't seen you in three weeks. Who cares? You may win a soul. They may get offended at you. But, but you know what? You may, uh, you, may, uh, you may gain a brother and sister in the Lord. You better thank God for that person saying, hey, girl, what you doing listening to that music? No, I love you enough. Hey, what are you doing with that dude that's not even saved? True Christian accountability can save your life. It can save your life saying, hey, I care for you. What are you doing isolated all by yourself? What are you doing? Listen, you know what's good about accountability is that a community won't let you backslide without giving you hell for it. Come on. Without giving you torture. <laughs> when you have true community, you, you can't even backslide without somebody trying to say, hey, 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 hey. I need you to come back to church. I haven't seen you. Like, can you just let me backslide for a little bit? No, true community says, no, I love you enough and you're not going to be there. I'm not going to allow you to get there by yourself. Come on. True community will save you from your own actions. You know why? Because sometimes we think we're all that in a bag of chips and that we're the only ones that have the revelations and nobody else has revelation. You're the only one that God has revealed this to you. And sometimes God needs to bring people your way and say, hey, listen, it's okay, but you're not the only one that thinks this way. Well, nobody understands me. Oh, so, so you're the only person that has ever in the history of the world has ever gone through this darkness, right? No one else has gone to even close to you. No, there's people out there that can help you. And you know what? I need that. I need that in my life. You know why? Because I need to receive from the body of Christ. I need to receive prayers. I need to receive encouragement. You know the Bible says that encouragement has the power to, to stop the propensity of a hard heart. Encourage one another daily lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That means the power of encouraging one another actually stops people from having a hard heart. I encourage you. Sometimes you'll be the one needing encouragement, but there's sometimes you'll give the encouragement. I encourage you to be part of the community. Allow people in your life, allow people to speak in your life, allow people to say, I miss you. Why haven't you been at church? Well, they're just judging me. No, they love you. They love you. If you ever get a text from me and say, I haven't seen you in church, trust me, it's not about the numbers for me. If, I ever, if I've ever received it, it's because I am concerned I haven't seen you in a while. Listen, you know what happens when you haven't seen you in a while? You start drifting into the next thing that I'm going to talk about. Because <laughs> I want to, I'm going to get there in just a second. The next feeling that happens, so you should watch this a progression of feeling disconnected, right? Look at, now watch, this is going to be a ooh moment or an ouch moment for some of you, right? 
The next thing that feeling disconnect brings is this. Convincing ourselves that our season in a certain place is over. Listen, listen, listen. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. God does speak to people when their season is over. I am not talking about that. I understand that God has a timing and there's seasons and times for every purpose under heaven. I get that. But if it's out of only disconnection, you will convince yourself that it's time for you to leave when God's will is for you to stay. I knew I was getting a lot of amens. I am talking about, I am talking about a feeling of an unhealthy disconnection. Sometimes you feel disconnected and God's will is still for you to be in that marriage. Sometimes you feel disconnected and God's will is for you to stay in that ministry. Sometimes you feel, come on, you feel disconnected and it's still God's will for you to serve. But we always attach the voice of the Lord to our disconnect and convince ourselves that our disconnection is the voice of the Lord all the time. So we'll start saying real deep spiritual phrases like this when we feel disconnected. I don't get fed there anymore. That's a, that's a classic sign of disconnect because God forbid you, your heart is perfect. Your, your, your heart is great. It's always the pastor's fault. It's always the church's fault. It's always the leader's fault. God forbid you have any responsibility while you're feeling disconnected. Well, here the pastor don't call me. Well, I got 200 people. It's hard for me to call everybody and I don't know everybody's number. The pastor doesn't visit me. That He don't do this. He don't do that. Let me, let me, let me tell you something. That is old wineskin. The one-man show, the one-man person doing everything, that's old wineskin, and it leads to burnout. It, it leads to burnout. You start, you start hearing phrases like, like I don't want to go there anymore. Come on, you said some of that time privately, and then you had to repent. I don't, I don't feel it anymore. I don't feel the word. I don't feel the worship. No one calls me. I always said this before, but I'll say it again. We're darned if we do and darned if we don't. Like, if, I, if we call you, you're just judging me. Why is he calling me? I'm not backsliding. I'm, 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 I've been on vacation. <laughs> see, he's, he's pastor's calling me because he feels I'm backsliding. And then when we don't call, you see the church don't love me. We, we can't win. We can't win. The, the church doesn't love me or the, 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 the leadership is, is, is judging me. <laughs> All these are signs. If you feel disconnected, you will convince yourself that it's the Lord when it may still be God's will for you to stay. Do you know why people divorce real easy without the biblical grounds for divorce? It's because they use the, ter- they use the reality of being disconnected. They've fallen out of love with that person as, a, an, as an okay to get out of something that's God's will. There's biblical grounds for that. And I don't have time for that. There's biblical grounds where God gives you the green light. Right? But you know what? Feeling disconnected will convince you and I that it's time to hop ship. That's why, that's why there's so many church hoppers in the body of Christ. There's, they're never planted in one community because they're always wanting things their way. And God forbid, if it's not their way, just the, just the way they like it, they're going to go from church to church to church and they will never be planted anywhere. Now, now watch. This is the part that I was going to tell you that's going to be really deep, okay? The last thing that I want to say when it comes to a disconnect is, look at that, is a feeling of isolation and loneliness. You can't talk about disconnect without talking about loneliness. Hello? 
I said, you cannot talk about disconnect without addressing a sense of loneliness. And I feel the Holy Spirit on this one. If you and I are feeling disconnected in the local church or with the body of Christ, there is a sense of isolation and loneliness. What is, Chris, what is the, the, the scripture that I used to give you all? Come on, now, I'm putting you on the spot. Proverbs what? Come on, watch this. I, it is not rehearsed. Proverbs 18 verse 1. Okay, Proverbs 18 verse 1, right? That, I would give them, <laughs> I would give Enrique and all these guys, all these scriptures, and I would drill them with this when they were in leadership. Why? Because I knew the dangers of young leaders getting offended and drifting all over their, uh, by themselves. I knew the danger. Listen, what does the enemy do when in, in the wild? Sorry, the, the lions and the hyenas in the wild. Come on. Who do they attack? They attack people that are away from their flock and away from their family. And they, they always attack the one that's by themselves. Proverbs 18, verse 1, look what it says. This is, this is, watch this. This is what disconnect will bring some of you guys. A man who isolates himself rages against all wise counsel and seeks his own desires. Now, that word judgment means counsel. So it reads like this. A man who isolates himself, he seeks his own desires and he rages against all wise counsel. That means you could have a wise person come to you and you will reject the counsel because you isolated yourself. The goal of the enemy, the goal, the end goal of disconnect is to isolate you. The end goal, listen, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen today. If you, are, if you are feeling disconnected, I'm going to tell you the eventual progression. You will eventually, the enemy's goal is to get you so isolated so he could pounce on you. That's why even the jail systems do the same thing. You would think that someone in jail that does something in jail will get beat more. No. Do you know what they do? In jail, they take them from the community and put them in solitary confinement. You know why? Because they'll go crazy. They'll start talking to their finger. I'm the man of this house. Let me tell you something. I rule this place. And you start, you know that, that movie, what's that movie with Tom Hanks with the ball? Catch away. You'll be like, catch away. You'll be like, hey, listen to me. Stop talking to me that way. I know that sounds funny, and I'm, I'm getting a little extreme. But what happens is when you, when you, when you have, when you allow yourself to, watch this, drift away, drift away to lack of community, lack of accountability, a feeling of isolation and disconnection. You know what? You are prey to the enemy. The enemy is, li is, is licking his, <laughs> whatever, his chops. Now watch this. I'm going to say something. I'm almost going to close here. Now watch this. A lack of loneliness has nothing to do with having lots of people around you. Hello? Or even being popular. You could be the most popular person in the room and not have community. Woo. You, could, you, could, you could have a lot of people around you that know about you, but they never know you. Because you never allow them in. Do yourself a favor, humble yourself, and don't allow just anybody in. That's not what I'm saying, because Jesus said don't toss your pearls before swine. But 
those of you that are convincing yourself that it's not, it's okay for just me to, to come to community once every six months or be a part of it, that is not the truth. You need to be a part of biblical community. And I'm going to tell you why. This is so, this is so powerful. Why do people go get, get in, into uh, isolation? Why do people feel disconnected? No, I, I just wrote a couple things down. They feel disconnected because of disappointment or failure, condemnation, right? Condemnation brings a disconnection, right? Right? Am I hitting on somebody, some of you? Look, rejection, a sense of rejection from, from people, from God, or per- perceiving from God uh, that it, it isolates you, um, hurt and pain, or a lack of culture of fellowship in the local church. When there's a lack of culture, I've been to churches that are dynamic, have zero community. But the word is there, the power is there, zero community. And guess what? That is incomplete as a body. If we just can't harp on the power and, and do away with the community, we must have each other. That, that means, guys, start going to some of these things, to these connect groups. Start, start, going, start getting involved as much as you can. I'm not talking about every single thing that's out there. Get involved. Why do you think as a church we have so many like a buffet? Because we want you to pick at least one that you could get involved in. That you can participate in. Come on, say amen. Now watch this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close now, all right. If the worship team could start coming up, I'm going to close now. I just have two scriptures. Look at Proverbs 27, verse 17 in the Passion Translation. The, the worship team could get up there now. Look, look at this. Look at the Passion Translation. Watch this. You're going to shout at the end, I promise you. I know you've been shouting good today. Proverbs 27, verse uh, 17 in the Passion Translation. If you're there, say Amen. Look at this. It takes a grinding wheel to sharpen a blade. And so one person sharpens the character, watch this, of another. That totally defies what you and I think. Like, well, I just got me. I just do me. I sharpen me. God is the one who sharpens me. I don't need anybody to sharpen me. Like iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens the countenance or character of another friend. Now, now watch this. This is my favorite scripture. I, I, lay, I left the favorite scripture for last. A scriptural reason other than Acts chapter 2 of why you and I, hear me closely, why you and I need to be intentional. Say intentional. Say intentional. To create community. You know, you know what intentional to create community is? Here it is. Ready? It's going to be real deep. Call someone. Invite them over to your house. Connect with someone in a restaurant. Connect with someone in the local church. Go to the youth services. Go to the connect groups. Go to the Bible studies. Have fellowship. After church, God forbid, get someone's number and go out to have food. Now watch, watch, watch. I'm going to give you the same best for last. You want to thrive and grow in your walk with God? Stop making people your enemy. Stop making the church that may have hurt you, and they may have, your enemy. You're denying the very thing that you need. Something, sometimes the very thing that you avoid is the very thing that you need. And you, you convince, I really don't, Pastor. I really don't need it. Let me tell you something. You do need community. Now watch this. This scripture I'm about to tell you is to me one of the greatest reasons for community, right, to be intentional. I hope today this message is convicting you in a good way that you're not satisfied to isolate yourself anymore. 
and that you've allowed your pain not to identify you and say it's okay for me to be by myself. It's not okay. Look at Ecclesiastes. Look at this. I'm closing with this. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 through 12 in the NLT. This is going to be life-changing. Say community. Say I need my brothers. I need my sisters in Christ. Said I need them for my walk with the Lord as well. Now look at this. Look at this. Some of you mad at me because you don't like people, but it's okay. I'm going to allow the Lord to just soften your heart on this one. Two people, oh, I love this, are better than one. For they can help each other succeed. Woo. Look at this. Watch this. Keep going. Keep going. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help them. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. That's word for word in the NLT. Look at this. It's in real trouble. Likewise, two people whew, lying close to each other can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone, oh my, can be attacked and defeated. But when two stand back to back and conquer, but two can stand back to back and conquer, they are even better because even a triple braided cord is not easily broken. When we have strong community and godly fellowship, the people around us will have our backs. That is what community is about. It says when one falls, if he falls alone, he's in trouble. But if he has a community... When he falls, when she falls, there's going to be people there because they have purposely put community to pick them up even though it's uncomfortable. And you know what? It's like that back-to-back. -back. Come here, Enrique. Come here, Enrique. Here's the thing. It's like I could see this way. Hey, face that way, right? So as, if me and him are, are just facing that way, our backs are exposed. Here's what, come here. Now here's, here's, what, here's what true community looks like. Do this way. Right? True community. Now, now let's turn. Wait, wait. Now turn. When I turn, you turn. When I turn, you turn. Watch this. There you go. Watch this. That means everywhere I turn, everywhere I turn, there's someone watching. Come on. Everywhere I turn, I, listen, my blind, my, my blind spot is not my blind spot because he's got my back. And his blind spot is not his blind spot because I got my back. Sometimes we got to lean. Lean on me when you're not strong. Come on. And I'll be your friend. Come on. I'll help you carry on. Come on, you know it. For it won't be long. Come on. Till I'm going to need. Come on. Somebody to Come on. And you can count on me, brother. Come on. Come on. Stand up. Stand up. Come on. We all need somebody. Come on. To leave. I just might have a problem. Come on. I just might. Come on. Come on. Come on. You understand. Come on. We all need somebody. Come on. Lean on me. Lean on me. Come on.
<laughs> Thank you for that. That was not planned at all. <laughs> Listen to that, guys. Lean on me. That's the words. When you're not strong, I'll be your friend. Me. Help you carry on. Who only knows how many people we need? It won't be long till I'm going to need somebody. I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Community is that back-to-back. -back. Come on. That community is like, you know what? I am not going to allow you to be infiltrated by the enemy anymore. I'm going to take responsibility for my church. Come on. I'm going to take responsibility for my house. I'm going to take responsibility for my friends. I guarantee you, if you're, please hear me. I'm, I'm about to close this right now. I'm about to close. If you fall and no one is there, the Bible says you're in great trouble. There's some people that have fallen by themselves because you have isolated yourself. You've been hurt by the church and you've been convinced it's better off not to come to church than to be a part of community. Why? Because to be a part of community is I have to introduce and open my heart up again. But there's no other way. Be a part of community. Come on, lift up your hands right now. Whatever you feel lead, led, led to, uh, Christina. Come on, let's lift up our hands. Let's just pray that God will fulfill the need for community in your life. Some of you need to repent for pride. I'm serious. For convincing yourself that you don't need people. Some of you need to be healed from the fact that you don't trust people anymore. Some of you need community in your life. Come on, lift up your hands right now. right now you've been here and you said I've been wounded in the past and it's, and it's caused me not to have community God wants to bring healing to you some of you God is speaking to you even the ones that don't have the personality to be around people God wants you to know that you still need people in your life make it a point to be involved to be reconnected in the local church to be reconnected with brothers and sisters of the Lord some of you have been 
missing in action for many weeks and many months. It's time to get back on the team. I said, it's time to get back on the team. Start coming. Start being part of community because the goal of the enemy is to isolate you. I'm telling you, the goal of the enemy is to isolate you. So what I would like to do right now is, before we dismiss, if anyone's here and you said, you know what, I realize this message is for me. I know this is very specific. This message is for me. I have been needing community and I've been lacking community. But I realize that I biblically need to change some things and heal some things so I can be a part of community again. So there could be that back-to-back reality that I can walk with brothers and sisters in the Lord and not be offended at them. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hands without shame. If you said, you know what, I need this in my life. Now here's what I need, this is what I want you to do. Right now, we're going we're gonna to sing one more last time, but we're going to be a community and we're going to pray with each other right now. I want you right now to get in groups of three or four right now. Turn around, grab someone. If you don't feel comfortable uh, touching them, that's fine. Just I want you to right now begin to pray for community. Come on. I want you to pray that God will bring healing to us, that we will be a part of community. Come on. Let's just, let's make a commitment, listen, that we will be there for each other, that we will pray for each other. Come on. Let's make a commitment and say, we're standing together. I'm with you. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be blessing you. I'm going to be keeping you accountable. Come on. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord God, for community. I thank you that you will build strong community at RCC, that when one falls, we won't fall by ourselves. Lord, when one Lord is grieving, they won't grieve by themselves. When one is hurting, they won't hurt by themselves. Lord God, would you heal those who've been hurt by people? Would you cause biblical fellowship and biblical community, Lord, and and the eating and the breaking of bread to be a reality once again? Would you cause us to grow? We need you, but we need each other. Oh God, we release those people that cause a hurt in our community. But Father, we embrace the unity of the saints. We embrace the community of the saints and the fellowship of the saints in Jesus' name. Come on, one more time, just pray. Pray for one more minute before we dismiss. Come on, pray for your community. Yes, God. Yes, Jesus. Come on, build friendships. Release strength. In the name of Jesus. Before Enrique has a word, I, this is what I feel from the Lord. I pray godly friendships for you. That's what I pray right now. As a pastor, as your pastor, I pray that you will 
Open up your heart for godly friendships in your life. A threefold cord is not easily broken. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, if two are together, they are back to back and could conquer the enemy. I pray godly friends to come your way. Friends that will sharpen you and keep you accountable in Scripture. Even if it's that one person, I pray for that one person now. I pray for those who are feeling disconnected. I pray for those who are feeling disconnected in the body of Christ and even in our local church. Have grace with us. We don't have it right all the time. But I'm going to give you homework before Enrique gives his last word. In a few moments, we're going to go out and we're going to connect. We're going to have food. In that moment, if you, here's a challenge that I ask for you, okay? Don't stay with your same click. Just for this one time, introduce yourself to someone that you never introduced yourself. You never know that that person could wind up being one of your best friends later in life. Open up your heart. Talk. Connect with people. Come on, say amen. Connect with people. We're going to do that. And Enrique is going to release the word and you can end this out in prayer. So I studied Jesus a lot and we've started the Bible study on Jesus. And there was always something I struggled with for so many years of trying to understand why it happened to Jesus. And as Jesus was carrying his cross, the Bible says that he physically, in his human form, could not carry the cross anymore. It came to a point, and we've seen the movie The Passion, right? He fell on the floor. He physically, even though he is a son of God, God in the flesh, he could not carry his cross by himself. And the Bible says that Simon the Cyrene had to come and join Jesus to carry his cross. Think about the humility that that had to cause in Jesus. The God Almighty in the flesh doing this for us, and he couldn't accomplish it by himself. And, and it wasn't until right now as we were praying in our circles that that hit me. I go, God, I always struggled. Why, why would you let that happen to Jesus? Why? I mean, he's, we had to be able to look at Jesus and say, Jesus did it, right? Only Jesus, only Jesus. Actually, it was Jesus and us man. We stood with him and he had to have someone help him. So if Jesus had to humble himself, right? If Jesus had to humble himself, we must humble ourselves and say we can't do this on our own. Amen? So Father, in Jesus' name, God, I pray for humility in my heart. I can't do this on my own, God. My marriage, my, me and my wife, we can't do it on our own. Sometimes us as, as husband and wives, we isolate ourselves. We can't do it on our own, God. We ask for humility in this church. Father, to know that we need one another, God. If you had to humble yourself, we sign up for humility in this place, Lord. We know we need one, one another, Lord. So we ask for that gift of humility, Lord. In Jesus' name, can you guys say amen? And before you guys get some good fellowship out there, uh, the worship team has a quick meeting. So before you guys go out there, just a quick meeting with the worship team. Then you could have some fellowship. The rest of you, God bless you. Make sure you go to the prayer room. That's where we're having some uh, sandwiches. And listen, let's hang out. Let's fellowship. And I'll see you next Tuesday. God bless you. <laughs>